You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 528, Oasis at Nebworth in 1996, the folly of plagiarism in the modern era, and who really broke up the Beatles. That's all coming up after Cooler Shaker and Hush. I love Cooler Shaker. This was right in the middle of a run of eight consecutive mm. UK top 40 singles. Number two in 1997, Cooler Shaker and Hush. I'm a big fan of Cooler Shaker. My friend Tim is not. And I my, I say to him that my biggest threat to him is uh, if I ever became notable enough to go on Desert Island Dicks, I would play <laughs> something like Govinda and dedicate it to my dear friend Tim, who is yeah. very spiritual. And he has said he will murder me if that happens. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, I know it's a bit extreme. But anyway, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of Cooler Shaker too. One of my prized record possessions, because as regular people will know, I do like a bit of vinyl. A very dear friend of mine that's sadly no longer with us, um, his brother was a PR, I think, or an A&R man for, for Cooler Shaker. He had some involvement with them. Mm. As a result of which, he had a lot of um, 
merchandise and things which ended up living in Neil's shed and he had several box sets of uh, the uh, those initial sort of five singles that mm. came from K all, all sort of produced as individual with beautiful artwork oh, and that is one of my my favorite my favorite record possessions I think mm. it's a, it's a very beautiful thing and that is one of the singles on it yes um, yeah, and what a great uh, debut album as well. Just oh, uh, lovely. Came in with a real kind of whoosh cooler shaker. Absolutely. We will we will dwell less on peasants, pigs, and astronauts to follow up. Yes, but, um, but it yes. Was, they were very much a moment in time. I think really. I remember years later. This would have been, you know, maybe eight mm. or so years after that came out. Uh, Crispin Mills had a, a band called the Jeevers. Yes, indeed. which I think was sort of a bit of an attempt to to, to jump onto the sort of garage rock bandwagon yes. that was going on at that time. And I remember a, a, a girl that lived in the, the the block of flats next door to mine, and I used to go to gigs occasionally. And she said, "Well, should we go and see the Jeevers?" Um, it's it's in a I think it was the ne- the next day or something. And she said, "Oh, why don't we go and see if we can still get tickets in the box office?" And they were playing the smallest venue in Norwich, which was the well the smallest one, a major venue in Norwich at that point, which was the Norwich Arts Centre. Um, also famous for Richie carving that thing into his arm and Nirvana's first UK gig. So very much a site of rock history. So we said, "Okay, then." You know, you know, we can get a bus down there. It's fine. And the, the capacity was about 350, I think. I saw the Ravenettes there. It wasn't large. And we went up to the, um, or she said, I'm going to go up to the box office and get the tickets and I'll meet you afterwards. And she came up to me afterwards and said, well, according to the ladies in the box office, the gig has been cancelled because Crispin Mills is ill. And I went, oh, that's bad news. What kind of illness is it? And she went, mm, the box office lady seemed to think it was some kind of disease linked to not having sold enough tickets for his oh, gig. So they pulled it. Mm. And you thought, God, you know, it was it was crazy <laughs> to think that, that Kuda Shaker was huge for a very brief time in the mid to late 90s. Mm. And yet his Crispin Mills venture couldn't sell enough tickets to make playing a 350 capacity venue viable. It was really, it was really striking. I remember thinking, what? So does this mean that Brit Pop's dead then? And I'm basically mm. listening to all this. I'm a museum piece. It was very strange. They're back together now, of course, and uh, oh, yeah. touring and, and recording like all, again. Yeah, like all of the, the Brit Pop bands are. Steeper, of yeah. course, having made a huge success of, of, of reuniting. Welcome to the Parish Council. It's episode 528. I'm Terence Stackham, and Finally, we know who broke up the Beatles. It's Juliet Harris. Uh, I knew this would be my thoughts. I mean, it was, it was it, you know, what can I say? The fact that I, I wasn't born for 14 years and uh, after the Beatles oh, breaking up, yes. somehow there was, a, there was a disturbance in the force that meant them, that, that <laughs> meant that, 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 of course, they could not continue knowing that I was due to arrive somewhere down the line. Anyway, that nonsense aside, hi, everyone. We, we will have the real answer to yes. who broke up with me. <laughs> um, this is history. Right here, right now, this is history. That was Noel Gallagher shouting to the crowd mm. in the new movie, Oasis Nebworth 1996. You know, t- typically humble, modest statement from <laughs> Noel as ever. But um, looking at the joy and delirium of the 125,000 strong crowd, it's perhaps mm. it's hard to disagree with him in a way because... Um, even though um, it's 25 years ago, uh, the, oh, the quality of this film, by the way, is outstanding. Mm. But everybody just seems to be having uh, the time of their lives. And maybe rather obviously, everyone, whether on stage or in the crowd, looks incredibly young. Um, mm. This is very much the Noel and Liam show. Uh, Bonehead and the others are merely supporting minstrels to the Gallagher's. Jules, where were you when we were getting high? 
Well, I think I saw a little bit of the footage of that on TV at the time. And when you say about the the impact of this, Mm. what is really mind-boggling? So they sold out two nights at Nebworth, 125,000 people on each night. Um, How many people do you think applied for tickets in the UK, Terence, for 250,000 tickets? uh, A million? 2.6 million people apparently applied for tickets for Oasis at Nebworth. And, I mean, there's been a few films about Britpop. I agree with you. The the footage I've seen from this film is is just wonderful. I think there was a Britpop film called Live Forever, which is sort of a Talking Heads-style documentary with some footage. And one of the more entertaining Talking Heads in that is a bloke that's in an Oasis tribute band. That that, I think he's Lear, but him and his... And I think he's in it with his brother as well, brilliantly. (laughs) And they look nothing like them. And they're almost sort of entertaining in the fact that they don't <laughs> but he, he they sort of say you know there's been this and i'm i'm part of this as well it's sort of demonstrated in john harris's excellent book the last party which is sort of for me one of the definitive books about Britpop. there's mm. been this sort of slight revisionism amongst people that you know the 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 the, the best music was produced by bands that were a bit more interesting like blur and elastica and there's this sort of in some quarters attempt to kind of write oasis out as being a little bit embarrassing and actually as these blokes say in the film Oasis were everywhere. They were absolutely everywhere mm-hmm. in a way that none of the other bands were, like it or not. And and they they just hit a nerve. They just they just managed to find a way of expressing to people. Mm-hmm. They were partly because they were also really funny. And I'm glad it doesn't say in the trailer to the film. But the best thing about Noel Gallagher's quote, where where he say, "This is history. This is history right here, right now," is that um, that Liam Gallagher immediately replies on Mike, "I thought it was Nebworth," which is one of the one of the most <laughs> comic moments. And really speaks to their relationship. And as you say, the relationship between the two of them was the centre to that band, really. And it was Noel Gallagher is very clear in this um, in this uh, this um, documentary that it's his band. When he says about Live Forever, if Oasis is my band, Live Forever is my song. It was his band in the sense that he understood that he had three musicians. Obviously, they ditched their original drummer and got out of Tony McCarroll and went with Alan White, who was a much better drummer, whose brother, I think, drums for Paul Weller. So he had a a bit better pedigree. But uh, Noel Gallagher understood that basically their music is tailored so that the three of them don't have to do very much. He he, he was a, a, a master, I think, at working with the materials that he had. And he was very much... That's why some of Oasis's music, particularly the Oasis stuff, is so pile-driving because basically he's arranged it so that the other three, they're just all sort of hammering home this kind of this, mm-hmm. this one kind of line which works really well. Um, they had such a huge impact. They were everywhere to the point where, and I've forgotten about this until watching these uh, these little clips. As a, this is so nerdy, but this is this is exactly what I was doing at the time. As a as a young person at the time, I had a Halifax Young Savers account and. <laughs> The Halifax Young, so this I know this sounds irrelevant. It is really relevant. I promise. The Halifax Young Savers account. You got a magazine every so often that was meant to be designed for young people, probably by thirty-five year olds. But anyway, it would it would turn up sort of every so often, maybe every couple of months or so. And it was, and we were invited to write in as a young person and to write you know to if you had something you wanted to talk about write about you could write in i never did but a, a young girl wrote in and explained um when she went to see oasis live in networth 
Well, I never. And and she must have been about four. I say young. She must have been about fourteen or fifteen. And I remember reading it, and part of me actually thought, God, they're everywhere, aren't they? I was not expect. I mean, I loved Oasis, but I was not expecting to read about them in the Halifax Young Savers magazine. And yet there they were. I mean, the, the footage from this film looks brilliant. Um, I particularly enjoyed um John Squire appearing on Champagne Supernova. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was you know really lovely. Although it did make me laugh that 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 they said it was like the passing of the torch and then Noel went oh no we took the torch the previous night and it's like actually no uh, that that you know I'd be a little bit more humble if I were you because that video of John Squire playing on Champagne Supernova shows that he is very much a superior guitarist to you so so it was it was you know I enjoyed but I'm looking forward to seeing the whole film we've seen sort of extracts from it um I I'm not sure I well if I couldn't brave the cinema for Bond I'm not sure I can brave the cinema mm. for Oasis but it looks really good I would also recommend Supersonic as uh, which was the documentary made about Oasis a few years ago which is brilliant and that sort of shows the wider story of the band but Nebworth really was an enormous moment you could argue it was the peak of Britpop really it was certainly I think the peak of Oasis's career it was a little bit telling that I mean ultimately if you want to pick Oasis apart they had two really good albums didn't they and and yes. everything else after that was sort of a was sort of a a, a, a come a come down and they did have a couple towards the end that was sort of a late rally but um but yeah it's it's I'm looking forward to seeing the whole thing because as you say it's it's lots of young people enjoying themselves and someone says one of the punters I think says in in the film and and in the trailer and it's really telling I think and she hits the nail on the head when she says nobody had a camera phone no, no, they weren't a thing. You would have presumably had audio equipment taken off you as you went in, and which meant that everybody was in the moment. And that yes. did make you think that's what makes it seem quite old fashioned in a way. Also, you know, some aspects of 90s fashion have not aged well. And but you, but you do think, well, is that something that we've lost? And I know we've talked about it before on the podcast, this ability to be in the moment and to be and to experience something with people around you that no one else is. Because, you know, now I suspect the gig might be live streamed. It wasn't then. Literally, mm. you, you saw a few clips on TV. It surprised me that the filming of this is amazing that it's taken so long for this to be to be released i mean obviously it's it's chiming in now with the 25th anniversary but yeah it uh, you know there's the quality of such you think well if you've been sat on this for 25 years why have you been sat on this for 25 years but yeah the the idea that's captured more i think the idea that there was at that point limited other ways of recording that moment than mm. than you know than live streaming it or being able to take pictures and, and videos on your phone and i think that's what makes it so remarkable really yeah it's, it's it struck me as a thing of wonder by the way that liam actually has any voice left at all because Absolutely. he he sings like a chainsaw from the back of does. his throat does he doesn't sing like you know a trained singer at all. It's just no. straight from the back of his throat. But it is, of course, from Michael. And yeah, you're so right. The only time the Noel and Liam axis is compromised is when John Squire plays guitar on Champagne Supernova, Supernova and um, is firmly, as you say, put in his place on the commentary. I made a note of Squire saying, you know, that that moment was the Stone Roses passing the baton on onto Oasis, and as you say, Noel Gallagher saying, well, no, no, we, you know, we already took the baton a long time ago. It's um, a very telling comparison, I think, as well as the Stone Roses also only had, you know, a, a limited number of great records at the beginning, mm, and then sort of so. collapsed, wasn't it, really? I suppose. Uh, it, it would be no surprise to anybody that what comes across in this movie is the 
is the certainty, perhaps arrogance, but definitely self-belief that they felt they were the best in the world. And it is it, obviously it's clear with history now, 25 years since then, as you say, they wrote a series of anthems that touched a huge number of people. And still um, do, I think. Absolutely. And um, yeah, but, and you know, on the day that um, as well, there are close up shots of members of the crowd singing along. I, I sort, of, sort of saw it as a sort of semi religious fever mm, really absolutely um, yes I but yes a couple of things um that that struck me and one you've already mentioned is the fact that there are no cell phones mm. being held up nobody's watching the gig through a cell phone and the other thing there's just a, there's a quick glimpse um backstage and there's liam with patsy kensit a very mm. young patsy kensit um but no, it's, it's a great film. It's, it's oasis nebworth 1996 it's been in cinemas since september the 23rd oh, but has it is, it? i didn't even realize it had come out wow <laughs> yeah and it's well the, the the good news for um everybody that doesn't like yourself is a bit wary of uh mm. of uh indoor venues is re- it's released on dvd audio formats and the inevitable super deluxe box set mm. on november the 19th 2021 Excellent. i might pop that on my christmas list that sounds good in, in, interesting just to pick up a point and this is actually a link that you sent to me terence from YouGov. a little poll as to sort of oasis and their popularity and um, they're ranked as their fame rating this is a little bit like those top trump's cards their fame rating is ranked as 96 percent their popularity is ranked as 54 percent the dislike is so this is a thumbs down emoji is disliked by only 16 percent and there are 26 percent people who are neutral when you look at the filters by age um the fame the biggest fame rating they have is gen it was is what's described as generation x which is basically 99 percent of people they've polled have heard of them um it's 98 percent for baby boomers you'd think for millennials it would be so so uh, you know speaking again as our oldest millennial swinger in town correspondent um that's a very wide you know it doesn't mm. just include people like me millennials it includes you know people people that are born in 2000 i think is the is the is the thing so so who would have been born who weren't literally not alive during their birth and the um the the fame rating for them for us is 92 percent when you look at the popularity rating baby boomers 44 percent people like that have heard of them like them generation x 55 percent of people who've heard of them like them for millennials of the 92 percent of people that have heard of them 61 percent say that they like oasis and i found when i was sort of meeting young bands a few years ago and interviewing them for various things if you met a group of young lads they were always lovely and if you asked them for their biggest influences Interestingly, the Libertines have been a huge influence on, on on young men. Lots of them were trying to rape them, but every single one of them would tell you Oasis. They wouldn't tell you yes. the Beatles, they'd tell you Oasis. And I think that's really interesting that they've had a, a, a cultural impact that I think that those of us that are sort of over it, you know, and older millennials and Generation Xers and blah, 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 what might sort of, you know, write it off and, you know, try and rewrite our history to say that we might be much prefer Blur. But actually, it's interesting that Oasis seem to have produced the songs and have the image that hit home that have actually genuinely endured across generations absolutely and by the way if you're putting um the super deluxe box set on your christmas list oh man how much are my parents gonna have to remortgage <laughs> 95 quid 
Well, that's and what's in the super deluxe box set for your ninety-five pounds? I think you get the um, the DVD, the audios, and I think a Blu-ray. Uh, do I, I do I get mementos, Terence? That's the thing. I'm going to look this up now because I yes. want I want to know what mementos. Do Do I get a piece of Noel Gallagher's lawn? That's what happened with with George Harrison, <laughs> oh, George wasn't Harrison, it? Do, yeah. do I do I get a gnome <laughs> in the shape of Liam Gallagher? Let's have a look. No, oh, never... I remember you get um, backstage passes. It's just coming ah, back to me. Yes. I looked at it in the week. You get uh, lanyards and backstage passes. That that is quite sweet. I yes. must admit. I'm just having a look to see. Yes, you, you get all sorts of snazzy snazzy emails. Um, you get the original replicas of the original show memorabilia now this sounds this sounds actually for 95 pounds not too bad so you get two cds triple lp double cassette of the live album triple dvd and then the replicas numbered concert ticket aaa pass show information booklet art print and this is where you've got me terence rare commemorative event binocular gifted to vip <laughs> guests at the show i actually think this genuinely sounds it's quite not sweet. bad for 95 quid to be fair is it and actually maybe that says something about oasis mm. and about the people that they market their stuff to and their audience and i don't want to use words about class but you know it's it's, it's interesting isn't it that that is that is um that's very telling that that is such a reasonable, I think that is a fairly reasonable price, I must admit. Coming up next, copycats and plagiarists. That's right after Dawn Penn.
such a tune. I I was recently DJing at a 90s party and that was one of the one of the it was the 40th for someone that wanted 90s music only and that was very much one of the first things that went in the box. I I think that is such a it's it's such an earworm, isn't it, really? And it's it's well, I, I'm a big fan. I think that's a, a, an excellent record that still stands the test of time. I think Dawn Penn, no, 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 you don't love me. Sampled by half the world over the years, of course. Yes. And I thought when you picked <laughs> this, I thought, God, I wonder what Dawn Penn's doing now. And oh she's yeah, go on. Still appearing live, but here's the thing: mm. she's appearing with Maxi Priest and Aswad. Mm at Shepherd's Bush Empire. Get your tickets now on sale September 2022. World's wow. gone mad. It's, you know, they're, they're, yes. they're, they're advertising stuff for a year's time. But having said that, what good value this is. You've got Maxi Priest, top of the bill, Aswad yep. second on the bill, Dawn Penn third on the bill, that's Shepherd's Bush Empire up. September good next year. Good 29 quid. Yes, that's really, I'm tempted that's by that. Value. I must admit, that Me sounds fast. It's, it's even better value than the, than the VIP binoculars, isn't it? That's <laughs> uh, that's really good. Now, I, I'm tempted by that. Like you say, it's a crazy, crazy thing. I'm due to be seeing Goldfrap in April 2022. That is the fourth postponement of that show. Mm-hmm. Let's see if that actually happens and of course since elton i think he broke his hip um yeah his gigs have been re rescheduled now they're they're um due to take place in 2023 i believe wow I hope, absolutely well it gives elton a lot of time to recover so yeah would that we all live that long to be able well, to why? <laughs> I, was gonna, I, didn't, I didn't want to go there but fine <laughs> this week the worlds of cookery and publishing were rocked back on their heels um, as accusations of plagiarism were, were heard in relation to a woman who was a former contestant on the British TV show MasterChef. Mm. And inevitably, she produced a cookbook delightfully based on, and I quote, recipes that have been handed down through many generations um, of her family. Except that when another author, Sharon Wee, looked through this book, she found startling similarities to her own Singapore recipes from my mother, published in 2012 and when you look at some of the writing and recipes side by side you can readily understand why Mm. Bloomsbury quietly withdrew the Master Chef Ladies book from shops in the last week it it really does seem extraordinary that in the modern era with so much uh, with so many checking facilities available that firstly this lady tried it on and secondly that Bloomsbury didn't seemingly conduct any sort of checks themselves it's 10 years now since the British news paper colonist Johan Hari Mm. was exposed as having borrowed huge amounts of copy from other people and he has never worked for a newspaper since. Jules, I can't help but wonder why anyone would still think they can get away with stealing other people's work. I completely agree. I mean, surely in the internet era, all bets are off, aren't they? I mean, is exactly. anyone can find anything. All you would need to do, if you were literally lifting copy, all you need to do is put that copy into a search engine, surely, and it then gets exactly. gets sort of spat out. I, yeah, like you, I find it really weird. Although it's never underestimate the depths of people's delusion and the depths of people's, you know, the, you know, the, the extent to which if you're surrounded by yes people, you think mm. in lots of spheres of life, people think it's never going to happen to them, do they? In lots of, in all sorts of ways. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I had to say mildly scandalised by this, this, you know, this, this idea mm. that you know these recipes have been passed down for generations by my family uh, in someone else's family, although that my own. <laughs> The only um, 
The only slight pushback I had on that, but it's rather blown out of the water by the fact that if you compare the sort of the um, the, the the text, it is very obviously lifted. The only thing I th- I thought initially on seeing the headline for this story is if people come from a certain specific geographic area and their parents came from a certain geographic area, it this sounds you know very flippant but i i I mean it genuinely it is possible that everybody's mum cooked in a similar way you know it is (laughs) it is possible that you know that if there are certain flavors that work together if there's a certain method you know all of this the way in which certain things are made had to come from one person originally didn't they and then they got passed down as sort of families break open it is possible not hugely probable but possible that you know that it might be that people's parents cook in a similar way although what is really galling about this is that you know the Sharon Wee said that you know she had um she she said that she wrote this book the mix of cookbook and memoir in loving memory of my mother recreating personalized recipes and researching her heritage i credit her and her peers for their anecdotes recipes and cooking tips this was their story she said i was therefore distressed to discover that certain recipes in other content of my book have been copied or paraphrased without my consent very telling that bloomsbury just withdrew it straight away without having a sort of a fight about it what's really galling is that in um in Elizabeth Hayes' book, um, she writes, um, I faced many challenges along the way. It began with my having to translate hard-to-read handwritten notes or convert measurements and moved on to learning about the different dawn, which are herbs, or rempars, spice paste. Techniques aside, ingredients were uh, hard to find, but thankfully I was just a, a brush ride away from Chinatown in central London nine years earlier. We wrote, it faced its many challenges along the way. It first started with converting her handwritten recipe measurements. I can't believe that this woman ever thought she'd get away with it. And actually, it's quite disrespectful, really, given that you are literally ripping off someone else's family heritage i think it's pretty shocking i am i am quite i'm quite cross for sharon Wee actually and i'm really glad that bloomsbury obviously have the same view i mean it's it is i remember being at university and i had a very wise um uh, sort of friend she was seen as our kind of cool friend we were all very excited a group of six or seven of my friends so we had a friend called Helen who I'm still in touch with who was a year older than us and it, it was very glamorous that we had a friend that was in the year above us at university that was that was you know that was a very exciting thing and I remember her talking to me once about um um, she was she was quite wise and she'd sort of been at the rodeo for a year longer than us and we were talking about sort of the dangers of, of, of how I pronounce it is plagiarism which is probably wrong but I'm sticking with it. Um, no, I say it that way too, but I believe oh, there plagi- is, you can say tomato. Way. Yes, indeed, I agree. But a plagiarism, um, I I remember talking to her about it and we were talking about the dangers of it and she said something to me which, uh, weirdly, given the words that she used, has stayed with me for a very long time. She said, "I really try not to talk about work with other, you know, the sort of essay work with other people. I just I just think it's." topic best avoid and I said okay then what why do you think that and she said it only takes someone else's turn of phrase to stick in your head even if you're not deliberately copying someone, it only takes a certain phrase for you to describe something. And then for someone else, you know, for, for if it's a particularly good turn of phrase for you to remember it. And if if an examiner saw that turn of phrase, if it was unusual in two essays, what would they think? And it's ironic that 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 phrase has stuck in my head over the over the last years. And it was and it, she was right, I think, because I remember um 
at my graduation, there was one topic that I got a first in, which was discrimination law. And I remember the um, a few of us got first in, in that paper. And I remember the lovely bloke that taught us came up to me and my parents at graduation. And he said to me, I was so pleased that you were the one of the people that got a first. The problem with anonymized marking is that, you know, you can't tell who is who. But he said, I, I got to a certain point in your last question, just towards the end of the essay, where you used a phrase about shelf stackers at Sainsbury's that I remembered you using in a seminar. And everyone had said, how good it was and I realized it was you and I was really pleased and I remember thinking oh god if sorry that sounds like a humble brag I don't mean it to no, be what, sure. I'm try, what I'm trying to demonstrate is that if you know that, that people often have really long memories on things mm. and really long memories on certain things that you might say and it is you know it's very easy to make a sort of a trademark if you, you know, if you if you speak in a particularly old way like I do and and it's it, it's just you know it's really kind of um I just think that it, it it can be easy to accidentally plagiarise people. That's what I'm trying to make. Yeah. It, it, it can. It, it's easily done in some senses. But when you look at the comparison of the two things of those, it is really hard to think that people that, that, you know, you, you can't quite believe that people would think they could get away with it in that way. I don't think. And it, and it goes beyond. For me, looking at those two paragraphs side by side, it goes yeah, beyond. Yeah, this lady has just lifted great big yes. screens. It goes, yeah, exactly. Like, it goes beyond. Did everyone? Did people's mums of similar heritage have similar ways of doing things? It goes beyond. Oh, I heard this on a TV show once, and I quite like that phrase, and it just stuck with me, and I and and it got to the point where I'd forgotten it wasn't mine, or and it, you know. But as you say, this was just brazen in this instance. Actually, reading about the MasterChef lady reminded me of one of the weirder cases of copying in recent times. Mm. It just came back to me. I remembered when it was when um, Melania Trump stumbled through a speech at the Republican yes. convention. Do you remember it included lengthy quotes and passages from a speech Michelle Obama had given a few years yes. earlier? That and, was peculiar. And also Biden and Neil Kinnock's speech that, that years a, ago it, as well. There's, there's isn't it funny how that's things. largely been forgotten? But that was a huge scandal at the time. Yes. Blew Biden's run back, what was that, 20 odd years ago, Out when, as you say, he'd lifted huge passages from that memorable speech that Neil Kinnock had, had a, said about being the first person from his yes. family that had gone to university and which so is, on. Which is nicking someone else's heritage, mm. although having said that, that didn't necessarily stop it from being true about Joe Biden in the same way as, as these women, these these women's um, mothers might have cooked in but a similar way. It was lifting way. the phraseology yes, once exactly. again, wasn't that's, it? That, that's, that's it. That's, yeah. that's a really good comparison. Music and particularly pop music remains mm. the biggest culprit for copying, borrowing, uh, appropriating. And um, the chaps from Led Zeppelin seem to be forever involved in lawsuits related to yes. such uh, accusations. On Led Zeppelin 2, the legal news now. Led Zeppelin 2, Bring It On Home and The Lemon Song, settled out of court with Chess Records for an undisclosed sum. Whole lot of love, out of court settlement with Willie Dixon. Um, the physical graffiti album, Settlement mm. to the Estate of Richie Valens. Um, back to Led Zeppelin 1, Dazed and Confused, now co-credited to Jake Holmes. I mean, mm. lads... Lads, just write your own songs. 
It's ridiculous, isn't it? Really, I um, I so so one of my favourite bands, unfortunately, did this a lot. Uh, regular listeners, although of my of my stream like for Elastica, and sadly yeah. they fell foul. Um, get uh, waking up. Um, is uh, is no more heroes by the Stranglers, essentially. Um, again, you didn't, you weren't quite sure how they ever thought they could get away with it. Why they were they often bothered wires lawyers about various things. Interestingly, in, thanks to Facebook memories, I'm able to tell you that I was commenting on this only yesterday, three years ago. Ah. To which I say, and I will write in in full, just have one of my rare brief collisions with later with Jules Holland. Although I have a lot of time for Sigrid, I wonder if her tune Sucker Punch was written by the same people who did Royals by Lord. Because uh. if they if it wasn't, I would think the writers of Royals would, should be able to successfully sue without much difficulty. Lots of comments from people underneath saying, I thought so too. Someone else has made the comment, and it is worth seeking this out. I should have picked this to the podcast. It's worth seeking this out if you haven't. There's a sort of a relatively unknown known singer called kitten who had a tune called fall on me now if you listen to it it is essentially trash by by suede the chorus is exactly the same pretty much and uh, the opening line as my friend put it she even outs herself in the lyrics the opening line to fall on me by kitten is trash a useless photograph and it's like if you were gonna rip off a song probably using the name of the song as the opening line of your of your uh, your thing might get you in trouble i don't know if there was legal action or not but there really should have been if there wasn't Pop music is, is is just full of examples of out of court settlements and cases mm. that often at huge financial cost actually reach the courts. Um, Oasis, funnily enough, John Lennon, Madonna, Mark Ronson, George Harrison, all have had to pay out for mm. other successful court actions or settlements. So, as we say, just write your own material. Well, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Again, it's the, it doesn't take much of someone else's phrase to stick in your head, and it is it mm. is possible. I think sometimes if you've if you've got music that is completely completely ingrained i mean oasis of course were often accused of being beatles copyists mm. if you've got music that you've listened to so much that it's become sort of a part of your dna i can see how you might accidentally do it without realizing it's become so familiar to you you might go past the recognizing where it's from i suppose you could argue there are ultimately given what music is I suppose there's a there's a finite amount of ways in which you can put notes and chords together, I guess. I, I think there is something to be said for that. And it, there is something, particularly with music, I think, for this sort of subconscious, this subconscious effect it has on us. I can see how people can sort of fall into humming a tune and not realising what it is, because I've done it before and not, not realised. But um, like you say, in this day and age, you think there'd be more fact-checking. My sweet lord. Um, mm. <laughs> coming, right, <laughs> coming right up, the, the, the definitive answer to who really broke up the Beatles. Yeah, so it wasn't me, as Shaggy said. <laughs> oh, I thought Lloyds of Shaggy, please don't see. <laughs> That's right after a lovely new track from Tears for Fears.
simply one of my favourite bands ever. Um, wonderfully consistent at the top of their game for 40 years now. This is the lead track from their upcoming album, Tears for Fears and The Tipping Point. I enjoyed that very much. 22nd of August 1968, uh, the Beatles were recording the White Album. Ringo went to see John and said, I'm leaving the group because I'm not playing well and I feel unloved and out of it. And he said, oh, I took the kids and we went to Sardinia. But a few days later, Ringo was back. Mal Evans decorated his drums with bunches of flowers. 10th of January 1969, a few months later, the Let It Be sessions at Twickenham. George stood up at the lunch table, see you around the clubs, he said, and walked out. And that night, he wrote in his diary, left the Beatles. Once again, Mm. like Ringo, he came back swiftly. Later that year, 20th of September 1969, John Lennon returned from Toronto, having played a show with the Plastic Ono Band. He met Paul and Ringo, told them he was leaving the Beatles. Um, Six months later, 11th of April 1970, Savile Row, Paul issued a press statement saying he was quitting the Beatles due to personal, business and musical differences. So, Jules, I'm a bit confused. Who broke up the Beatles? <laughs> I think the answer is is that a all of them, or everybody did, or b nobody did. I think I think both of those answers are, are equally valid, really. I think that they, um, I I, th- I think that that it it just became unworkable, didn't it? Really, it it just it was just like everything in life. It's either nothing in particular or it's everything, and they're both the same thing, aren't they? Really, and it was just a number of factors it was and and the idea that they were just they did something that nobody else had ever done in terms of worldwide fame in terms of worldwide musical impact they were the pioneers i think you could argue possibly for elvis but i think in terms of a band they were the first that had that sort of impact across the world and that must have been just such an enormous enormous thing to get your head around and it's such a huge thing that I'm surprised it was sustainable for the eight years that it was, really. I mean, I know that they that, that things happened, that you know, they, they stopped touring and all of that. But I think it was just, you know, a number of things happened. You have four very in some ways very different individuals making up a, a singular entity. You could argue that they were never quite the same after Epstein died because they didn't have a sort of a guiding force. It became very chaotic, their finances became very chaotic. And, you know, this is going to make me sound terrible, but I don't mean it to sound this way. But I think that as we all come out of gradually of what we've been going through for the last two years, there are people I would never say that I've fallen out with some of my friends. But there are some people who I suspect I won't see as much and have as much to do with as, as I did, because sometimes people just grow apart through accidents mm. of geography, through not going to the same places, through not doing the same things. Mm. And maybe it was just the case that these four people that had done the same things, that had lived in each other's pockets for several years, they weren't the same. I mean, they were young men at the time. You know, I think you change more when you're younger. And the idea that, you know, they, they, they spent the best part of a decade together, probably a bit more than that when it came down to it, and the fact, you know, how on earth would they be the same people at the end of those 10 years? And and how on earth, if you've spent 10 years constantly with someone, you can't have too much of a good thing. So I wonder if 
the 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 enormity of what they achieved and then of course the other personalities that came in you know the 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 fact that they you know I, I there's always this kind of ridiculous sort of yoko blaming the fact of the matter was was that all four of them met people and had families and their priorities in their life they didn't necessarily shift i don't think they broadened out all of a sudden having that having you know and it's like this when you're younger and you have a very intense job all of a sudden, if you do have relationships in your life, the job is not your life anymore. You have other aspects to your life. And that's a totally healthy way in which to live. And I think that there are some sort of fans of the Beatles who wanted everything to stay the same, who didn't quite grasp, and, and the press as well, didn't quite grasp the nuances of that at the time, I think. So I'm not willing to blame anybody in particular for the Beatles. I just think that that level of fame, the intensity of which they were they were running that kind of global empire, really, meant that you know as, as as one of them put it himself all things must pass um i think you've absolutely nailed it and i think it br- br- brings us to uh, you know, the the absolute uh, sort of almost definitive answer in that um life is really straightforward and as mm. you say but, but um there there is there are so many tributaries running into mm. the uh, uh into the river of understanding that's a good line i should write that down so many tributaries running into the river of understanding sounds like a line from tomorrow never knows it um, does it's, it's yeah. very spirit you're very yeah. spiritual terence um, even more spiritual than kudish <laughs> um we, we've got the the death of brian epstein yes it left a vacuum that was never filmed uh the flushing away as you say of capital uh, at uh, savile row mm-hmm. money at savile row the Beatles shop magic alex um and, and the introduction of alan klein versus linda's father from Paul yeah Bucket. george not getting his songs on albums ringo drinking and playing darts in st george's hill john and yoko uh taking heroin sitting up in bed in amsterdam at the amsterdam hilton paul frustrated by nobody listening to anymore they were all contributing but i think they're not the ultimate cause i think what broke up the beatles was 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 time yes mm. i mean if you if you actually start the clock ticking a little bit earlier say from hamburg that was 10 years of doing the same thing over and over mm. and mostly they were at different times and then altogether bored of being a beetle and they were in their mid to late 20s only we have to remember at this point mm. but were veterans and so i i i'm in total agreement with you i think it was boredom and ennui that broke up the beetles not george ringo john or paul individually just time and boredom mm, i agree so having answered that the one of the great pop music yes, questions dealt with that. Time, pretty easily um, it was easily easily done any other <laughs> issues you know we can easily uh work out for say, do, you do, do do write mm. in with your with, with any problems that you might have. this could go very wrong couldn't it yeah, but i really i could. think although having said this i think you know, i hope you don't mind a slightly <laughs> off-piste anecdote at this point in time mm. when it comes to the solutions of all of all things um mm. my uh my friend maggie is, is very frustrated about um why on earth there's a certain suggestion if you go on the internet um and and you know if you go on the internet and you're trying to to work out what the uh what the solution to something is she says do you know what is a massive lie 
white vinegar. If you Google for a solution to any problem, <laughs> up it comes. White vinegar. <laughs> Middle East conflict, white vinegar. Neighbours barking dog, white vinegar. Climate change, white vinegar. And it never works. It just makes everything smell terrible. Today I Googled how to get rust marks out of laundry and there it was. White vinegar <laughs> made zero difference. Now I just have clothes with rust stains which smell like white vinegar. I reckon part of the problem is anybody writing a problem-solving article Googles it and reads all the other false claims for white vinegar and repeats them. Has anyone ever had success with white vinegar for any use? Brackets white vinegar. I think that, you know, if you write in and ask us with any problems in your life, we're just going to say white vinegar, white aren't vinegar. we? <laughs> yeah. That's the answer for everything. Thanks very much for being with us this week. Good yes, thank you. you. Always nice to know that it's not just us. <laughs> and the thing is, you can hear more from Juliet um, thus so. Indeed, yes. There will be no white vinegar content. I apologise in <laughs> advance for that. But uh, yes, baking I... soda. That's the other one. There's always a oh yes, a baking soda. Uh, mix up baking soda into a paste and apply it to whatever the hell the problem is. And apparently yes. that too will yeah, be broken, the answer you're, to you're, all you know, your yes, problems. Stain on carpet, broken yes. ribs, whatever, and then it, it sorts it out. Yes, I agree. Well, it, it, it'll be interesting to see this evening. I will not be referencing white vinegar. Um, I will be hosting my radio shows often do on Sunday evenings. Um, from 7 to 9 p.m. smooth sailing no white vinegar included but all sorts of relaxing tunes uh, you can listen very carefully to check that i'm not ripping off a playlist from somewhere else <laughs> if you wish to do so and not indeed um not indeed you know m- nicking any links from whispering bob harris my surname namesake or, or anything else but uh 7 to 9 p.m all the usual sort of tunes mixer.com forward slash juliet hyphen harris mixer is spelled m-i-x-l-r or you can just search my name on the site listen live on sunday evenings from 7 till 9 or you can bang the show reel button and uh, listen to shows proceed the always fascinating animal collective to play us out aren't they i always mm. feel like i'm listening to music and doing a puzzle at the same time when listening to animal <laughs> collective because there is something about them that is so that is just like you say always fascinating there is almost too much detail to their music i love their playfulness i really love this i think that the way that this builds becomes something really pretty i think is is grand and i find i find them very uplifting as well as very kind of mentally stimulating so i'm an enormous fan of animal collective uh, panda bear and the various other offshoots of them um this is animal collective uh, proper and this is summertime clothes Night and I'm stripped 
Listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>